0: Today's story is not for the faint of heart. It's a bad one. Uh, definitely in the top 10 of the worst episodes you will ever hear on this podcast. Uh, Albert Fish was ahead of his time, and not in a good way. He was into the kinds of things we expect from killers from the 1970s onward, not from like the 1920s and 1930s when this guy lived. All right? If for some weird reason you let your kids listen to this, They should probably skip this one. You have been warned. This is Our Weird World. Our Weird World. Oh, boy. This is going to be really uncomfortable. All right, there is so much weird in today's episode that it might be the most complete episode in terms of just covering the entire spectrum of weird. All right. There's poop. There's pee. There is self-mutilation. There's murder. And there's a lot more. All right. Get ready. It's story time. Hamilton Howard Fish was born in Washington, D.C. on May 19th, 1870, and at the time he was born, his father was 75 years old, which is bonkers that that is even biologically possible, but good for him, I guess, but um, the problem with that is like never in the history of ever has that produced a good result, all right? Like, kids born to older parents are just weird, all right? Like, go find a kid whose parents were, like, over 50 when they had it and tell me that they're not at least a little weird, all right? But here's the thing. Um, Fish's father, very shockingly, died five years later, um, which left fish with his mother who had a history of oral and visible visual hallucinations Right, she was seeing and hearing things that just weren't actually there and so because she was too busy seeing all the little pink christina aguilera monsters if you watch south park um fish spent his childhood in an orphanage and he had three other living siblings he had another one who died and that's an important detail in just a minute here Um, one of his brothers was confined to a mental hospital already. Uh, he had another sister who had just a different mental illness. So already looking real great. Um, at the orphanage, fish was given the nickname ham and eggs. I'm not sure why, just, I guess, because kids are mean, but they lack the creativity to come up with genuinely hurtful nicknames sometimes. Um, but fish hated it. And he actually requested to be known as Albert, which was the name of one of his dead siblings, which is kind of weird, but given the rest of his family, you know, kind of the least weird thing uh, that he could have done. Um, But you know what? The other kids didn't care about that. They kept calling him ham and eggs. For the next couple of years, Fish just was beaten by these kids, and he became a chronic bed wetter, and at one point, he fell out of a cherry tree and got a concussion, And from there, he had just massive headaches. He had dizzy spells, and he developed a stutter. All of that's bad, right, for a kid. But it wasn't all bad, I guess. One day, uh, he watched as a group of orphans stole a horse, tied it up, soaked the horse's tail in gasoline, and then lit it on fire. And then he watched the boys untie the horse and just let it run around, swatting the flames from its tail And Fish thought that was pretty cool. He was very entertained by that. When Fish turned 10, his mother finally got a stable job as a government worker, took Fish out of the orphanage. And then two years later, as if it hadn't really gotten weird enough yet, uh, it got super weird. All right. Fish met a telegraph boy who was a huge fan of drinking pee and eating poop. Just going to let, just going to stop there. And let you adjust to the wild turn that this story just took. Because it's going to get even weirder, believe it or not. All right. Uh, Fish, even though he thought that that was kind of gross at first, he just joined in because it was nice to have a friend and something that they could do together. (laughs) Um, In 1890, Fish moved up to New York City and he started working as a prostitute. And when he wasn't doing that, he was raping little boys and molesting little boys. Um, Despite all of that, uh, Albert's mother, he arranged a marriage between him and a woman named Anna Mary Hoffman. um, Which this woman, there's not a lot about her, but she had to have been just as big of a crazy person as Albert's mother was to marry Albert. And even crazier was that. Albert and Anna Mary went on to have six children together. And based on how this story goes, I that is unfathomable. All right. <clears throat> but here's how here's the thing, though. After they got married, uh, Fish gave up his work as a prostitute and he started working painting houses. And although he had stopped being a whore, he did continue molesting little boys, but he was getting a little tired of that and one day he was visiting wax museum and he became fascinated by an exhibit showing, you know, the inner workings of a penis. And from that day on his life changed and he became obsessed with sexual mutilation. And if I've got to explain to you what that means, you should probably just stop listening. Um, don't Google that just because like you don't want to end up with a bunch of weird stuff on your browser history, but just kind of stop right here and go continue to be innocent somewhere else. All right. Uh, in 1910, Albert met 19 year old Thomas Kedden in Wilmington, Delaware. And the two developed just a really close relationship with each other. I mean, like super close. You guys, one night, uh, you know, fish, took Kedden to an old farmhouse, tied him up, you know, because they were doing some kinky things with each other. Um, Kedden had a mental disability and fish used that to his advantage and, and getting Kedden to the barn to tie him up. And for the next two weeks, Albert tortured Kedden in what Albert totally believed was completely consensual. All right. He cut Kedden's butt cheeks with a knife uh, he, pre- and then he, what he did was he would press his mouth against the wound and suck out the blood. That's just weird. Right. And then as if that wasn't enough, he took an entire box of needles and turned Kedden's butt into a pincushion. and just, I mean, just needles everywhere. Like he was an acupuncture and for whatever reason, like Kedden didn't even try to fight his way out. Instead. The two began consuming their bodily waste, and they referred to it as cider and peanut butter. Which honestly, like, not a bad, like, not a bad representation. All right, like, pee as cider, that's obvious. But like, I actually kind of relate to the peanut butter thing a little bit because, like, let me explain. Don't don't start judging me yet. Um, when I was in elementary school, uh, I went to a Montessori school, which, if you don't know anything about it, just is really all, all about like you know, self-learning and just kind of letting your kid roam around and, and, you know, learn on their own. And one day we were outside and we found a, just a turd sitting up against the wall. It was probably from like a cat or something or a dog, like a stray. And we found a garden hoe and we just chopped it in half and it legit looked like a Reese's peanut butter cup. And I'm glad that I potentially just ruined that for you because I think peanut butter is disgusting. And you know, if, if you can't no if you can no longer eat Reese's peanut butter cups, because you're imagining that that's what an actual turd looks like. Good. <laughs> anyway. So after a brief rest, um, they, uh, Albert poured alcohol all over kitten's genitals and set him on fire. And when the alcohol alcohol wore off, f- somehow Fish just took a dump on Kedden's butt and then turned him over and made Kedden lick him clean. All right. <laughs> like, I have to laugh because that's so disturbing. Like, that visual is just so disturbing. And yet it, it actually happened. And But here's the thing. Albert wasn't completely deranged, all right? Instead of keeping all the fun to himself, Albert then untied Kedden and let him do the exact same thing in return that Albert had been doing to him, all right? Eventually, after five weeks of this, all right, Albert remembered he had an entire family to take care of and he decided to end the relationship. But rather than just break up with Kedden like a normal person, he tied him up once more and sliced off half of Kedden's penis with a knife. And here's, here's what he said about it. I shall never forget his scream or the look he gave me. The blood gushed in a stream. I don't know why Fish had just like a proper British accent. That's just kind of what I gave him. Um, But the, that is an actual quote and it is, it's kind of, it's disturbing. All right. But here's the thing. So Fish had originally planned to kill Kedden, but he figured the summer heat would cause the corpse to stink and he didn't really want to draw attention to it. So instead, he poured peroxide on the wound, wrapped it in a Vaseline covered cloth, which is probably super painful. Uh, But he also gave Kedden a $10 bill and kissed him on the cheek and never saw him again. Uh, Seven years later, Marianne finally left Albert for a man who had been living in an extra room in the family's home. And even more, she left Albert with all six kids. And if you have a kid, you know, that sounds awful. All right. But he had six and it quickly started taking a toll on him. He began having, you know, these auditory hallucinations, just like his mother. At one point he wrapped himself in a carpet because he thought John the apostle told him to. He began going out at night and just shouting, I am Christ at the moon. And on top of that, like his fascination with body mutilation kept continuing to grow. But cons- because he was too busy with his own kids to go out and find little boys to molest, um, he started mutilating himself. And you know what? Like to his credit, Albert never molested his own kids. And I think that's important to point out here um, because a lot of terrible people do end up molesting their own kids, right? Uh, David Berg, we learned about, he did it. right. Albert fish did not. And I think that that's respectable. All right. But he was totally like mutilating himself. He would embed needles in his groin and his abdomen. He would beat himself with a nail studded paddle when that wasn't enough. Like he would light balls of wool on fire and shove it into his butthole. I, you know, I guess harking back to his, you know, visual and his experience with seeing the horse do that. It was crazy. All right, so by 1920, uh, Albert started believing that God was commanding him to torture and mutilate children, and that's exactly what he started doing. In 1924, he hanged nine-year-old Francis McDonald from a tree using the kid's own suspenders, and although he had intended to castrate Francis, uh, he ran away when he thought he heard someone coming up. Uh, Three years later, 1927, four-year-old Billy Gaffney was abducted and taken back to a set of dumpsters along Riker Avenue. Fish stripped him naked, burned his clothes, threw the shoes in the dumpster, and then he took the boy back home, cut the boy's ears and nose off, and gouged out his eyes. And at that point, the boy died, clearly. I mean, I don't think you survive your eyes getting gouged out. Maybe you do. I don't know. Um, But even though... You know, Billy was dead like fish wasn't done. Uh, Albert stabbed Billy's stomach, sucked the blood from the wound, and then he cut up the rest of the body, placed it in various bags with stones and other debris and threw the body in the river. He took some of the meat that he had saved and made a stew with like onions, carrots, turnips and celery, which I'm not going to say sounds appetizing because like turnips and celery and onions aren't great. But I enjoy a good carrot. So maybe he was onto something there. Kidding. I'm kidding. He he had it right when he wrapped the other pieces in bacon and roasted them in the oven, if we're being honest. All right. Anything bacon wrapped is probably pretty solid. All right. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I, like, I don't mean any of what I just said. Uh, I mean, like, he actually did, like, cook the kid to death. I, I'm, I didn't mean all the part about, like, how it sounded good. Anyway. Sorry, that got weird. Um, the next year, Fish uh, found an ad in the New York world highlighting uh, an 18-year-old man who was looking for work. And Albert was like, God, that's my next victim for sure. And so he answered the ad uh, posing as a man named Frank Howard. But when he arrived at the address for the ad, he met Grace Budd, who was the 10-year-old sister of Edward, who had been the ones who originally placed the ad. And at that point, Albert's plans changed. He convinced Grace's parents to let her accompany him to a birthday party that definitely wasn't actually happening, which, like, I get that it was like the 1920s and it's a different time, but you literally just met this man and he's asking to take your 10-year-old daughter to a birthday party? Like, that's, you, who does, who lets their kid just go do that? Like, they, poor parenting, all right? So instead of going to the birthday party, Fish took Grace to an empty house in nearby Westchester, and he told her to stay outside and pick some wildflowers while he went inside and just stripped down naked. And once he was ready to go, he called her inside and hid in a closet until she walked into the room. And like as soon as he jumped out, little naked Albert Fish, like Grace began crying, tried to run away. But Albert grabbed her, stripped her naked, and to her credit, like, she tried to fight back. And uh, when she bit him, that's when Albert choked her to death. And then he cut up the body, spent the next nine days eating the Coke's pieces of her corpse. And that's kind of sad. It's not kind of sad. It's really sad. All right. But... Here's the thing, like without any real solid leads to go on, uh, police had difficulty in solving the murder, even though if, you know, Grace's family just thought critically for two seconds, it's like, hmm, who was she last with? Oh, the guy that just showed up out of nowhere and asked to take her away. It was probably that guy. But the problem was that Grace's mother just decided every suspect that the police placed in front of her was definitely for sure the guy that took grace off and so you know police were so busy just clearing name after name that albert totally got away with it and even more like he albert got married again this time to a woman named estella wilcox um and the two had connected through like a matrimonial agency and fish was totally happy to become a stepfather to her kids and he wasted no time trying to make a good impression on you know Estella's kids. And he introduced a few new games. Uh, one was called Buck Buck, how many, how many Hands Up. And this game consisted of fish wearing nothing but a pair of tight brown underwear. And what he would do is he would guess how many fingers the children were holding in the air. And if he guessed wrong, which he did on purpose every single time, the kids would have to spank him with a paintbrush. All right. Uh, another game called how many needles can you shove under your fingernails? Uh, Fish was the only one to play in that game. And the rules are pretty self-explanatory. Uh, after 10 days, Estella filed for divorce because yeah. Why would you play those weird games? Why, like let this weirdo play games. Like this woman had the most common sense out of anyone in this story. So eventually like Albert got tired of torturing and murdering you know, little boys. And so he started writing strange letters to women that he met in the lonely heart sections of various magazines. And for those of you who don't know, like the lonely heart sections are the, you know, akin to like online dating sites today. All right. It was just people who would submit, you know, a paragraph or two about themselves in hopes that someone would read it, be interested, and they would, you know, open up a relationship. In most of the letters here, though, Fish posed as a Hollywood producer who needed someone to take care of, and by take care of he means mercilessly beat, his mentally challenged son. The problem was that he also played the part of his mentally challenged son. So he would try to find women who would be willing to discipline a mentally challenged person, and then Fish would show up as the mentally challenged person and willingly be beaten because that's what turned him on so much. That's so weird, right? It's really weird. Uh, in 1934, an anonymous letter showed up to the bud house, uh, to grace's parents' house. And after like some rambling introduction about how the Chinese were in the middle of a famine and they were eating children, which was not entirely false, by the way, uh, Albert told the bud family every last detail of what had happened to grace. And, with that, police tracked the envelope to an apartment on East 52nd Street. The landlady there identified two different people who had been living in the building, including Albert Fish. And at that point, William King, the chief investigator, he waited outside of that apartment until Fish came back to pick up a check. And at first, like Albert cooperated and agreed to go down to police headquarters for questioning. But... He quickly changed his mind, brandished a razor blade at the officers and was quickly taken down because Albert was just a tiny little man and he was going up against a New York police officer. Um, When he was asked about Grace's disappearance, Albert totally confessed about how his original plan was to murder Edward and that he never really intended to rape Grace. Although he did admit to involuntarily ejaculating twice as he choked her to death, which is again, weird. Um, but at that point, Albert was arrested and sent off to trial. Here's the thing. Um, and and we'll learn a lot more about this. Uh, and we've kind of already learned about it in the Carol Cole episode. Uh, the American justice system is just massively flawed sometimes. Right. Albert Fish's trial lasted for 10 days. It should have lasted long enough for the jury to hear about everything that he was being charged with. And then, the, you know, the deliberation should have taken like 30 seconds. All right. But here's the thing. Fish pleaded insanity saying God had told him to do it. Um, several psychiatrists evaluated Albert's mental state and they highlighted his various fetishes, uh, which included flagellation, pecarism, core urophilia, and All of those are terms. I am way too scared to look up because I do not want that sort of thing in my browser history. If you want to look it up, go for it. I'm probably already on enough lists for all of the stuff that I've researched for these books and this podcast. I'm just going to let that one go. All right. Um, the, The jury eventually believed that Fish was completely insane, but they ordered the death penalty anyway, which is exactly what they should have done. All right. Who gives a crap about like how mentally ill someone is? Like if they just go and destroy a society like they should be killed anyway. All right. Doesn't matter if they didn't know whether or not they did it. All right. I am super hardcore Republican on that. (laughs) All right. Uh, Albert was fried in the electric chair at Sing Sing Correctional Facility on January 16th, 1936. Uh, Although he was only officially convicted of three murders, he's suspected in another five murders. And he personally claimed to have molested over 400 kids. All over the country, and that is the end of our story. Ooh, How you doing? You, you doing good? The uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about Albert Fish. Uh, I you know how I said earlier, like top ten of like most awful episodes like this this is on the bottom half of the top 10 all right like it's gonna get so much worse over time um but you know we've probably learned a lot about ourselves today but uh let's recap it anyway What did we learn? Number one, I have a peanut allergy or an intolerance or whatever. So I didn't like peanut butter begin with. And after Albert Fish has referred to a piece of poop as peanut butter, I don't think you and I will ever look at it the same way again. Number two, if you believe God is telling you to kill a bunch of children, you're a hundred percent wrong. It is not God telling you that. And you need to go get checked out, right? And number three, ladies, if you receive a letter or a message from a guy claiming to be a prince, a high-level executive, a Hollywood producer, or anything else, do not believe him. He is definitely lying. Next week on Our Weird World, we're going to lighten things up to some extent uh, with some great stories from the wild wild west all right we're going to talk about some crazy survival stories and some really interesting characters none of which ate poop as far as i can tell all right as always thanks for listening tell your friends and keep it weird